this morning we want to begin our Torah study with prayer. Let's pray together. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. This morning, I want to look at patterns of redemption and faith, and then I want to uh, continue with the theme that has been part of the morning service, what to do when fear masquerades as wisdom, and how to handle that. And uh, the first part, looking at patterns of redemption and patterns of faith, I think will help us so that we are not fooled or misled by fears but we actually press in to God and we receive the wisdom of God and the courage that God has for us. How many of you know that the Holy Spirit is bold? If you don't know that, it's something to to learn about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not an it. The Holy Spirit is, is not an abstract, ethereal force. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God And the Spirit of God, who was poured out on Shavuot after Yeshua's uh, return to heaven and is continually being poured out, the Spirit of God gave believers and gives believers boldness. There's a reason for that. He's bold. It's not the Holy Spirit, the shrinking violet, or the shy Holy Spirit, or the mute Holy Spirit. In fact, when you understand the the gift of tongues from the Holy Spirit as an expression of the character and nature of God and the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit speaks to you and through you and to others through you, both in normal and natural and understandable ways, and also in supernatural ways because he gave the ability for this kind of spiritual gift to those who were filled. They did not receive it on their own. They didn't receive it as a result of uh, some kind of Zen master teaching them how to ascend to a higher level. They didn't receive this because they learned Kabbalistic methods of doing Babylonian magic and immersing it in in Jewish garb. No, they learned from the Holy Spirit who empowered them and uh, continues to empower us today. I hope I can look at my notes. I do intend to look at my notes. Let's look at some patterns of faith and redemption that are taught to us in the book of Exodus. You're probably familiar with the narratives of the book of Exodus, the stories. They're important, but the stories, the narrative, is the means by which God teaches us about relationship with him, about faith with him, about life together with him, about redemption and about covenant about being uh, sanctified before him and dedicated, both as individuals and as a community. So when we read the narratives, they're not just stories. They are stories, and they're powerful stories, and they're part of our spiritual history. But they're more than that because they contain within them truth from God about 
who we are and how we can live our lives. So the book of Exodus teaches us about patterns of faith and redemption that we could say are prototypical, they're foundational. They applied not only then, they kept applying and continue to apply, they apply to us even today. We've been reviewing some of those patterns, some of the details. The first one I wanna remind you of is that in the book of Exodus we learn about moral courage, which is the courage to do what's right even when it costs us or it puts us at risk. And the midwives in Egypt were examples of women who had great moral courage. The scripture says that they feared the Lord and for that reason they did not submit to the edicts of Pharaoh. You see, the fear of the Lord will set you free from other fears. And the freedom that God gives you will enable you to be free even when others who want to destroy you or others through you, um, it will give you freedom from their evil dictates and their evil rule over you. You can actually be a free person. The New Testament puts it this way, that um, for the sake of liberty, of freedom, Messiah has set us free. We're free by Messiah. The work of God sets us free. But what are we free to do? Well, the book of Exodus teaches us what we're free to do. We are free to serve the Lord. Now, if you want to get unshackled from that, good luck. That is not the purpose of your faith or the redemptive acts that God has done on your behalf. The freedom that God has for you is freedom to serve the Lord wholeheartedly without restraint in every kind of situation. We learn as well in Exodus about the courage of faith, the courage to trust God when everything is at risk. We learn that the fear of the Lord sets us free and liberates us from other fears. The fear of God is foundational and it ushers in freedom to us. Without awe towards God and respect for who he is, you will be subject to more fears than you could possibly imagine. But the fear of the Lord will set you free. It will set you free to do what is good. It will set you free from your impulses that, that sometimes run amok. How many can confirm that? We learn in Exodus about the nature of faith, that faith has both an internal and an external aspect to it, an inward and an outward aspect, because faith involves our hearts. Faith involves our minds. Faith involves our souls. And faith involves our actions. So from the inside, we learn to love God with all of our heart, soul, and strength. From the outside, we learn to put into practice the things that God tells us he wants for us to do. Yeshua once said, why do you call me Lord? Lord, but you don't, you don't, you don't do what I say. He even tells terrible things about the eschatological future, where people who were saying, Lord, Lord, are held to an account by the Lord. Did you live for me? Live for you? 
I didn't know that was part of the deal. <laughs> Next. We learned in the book of Exodus that faith operates at the individual level and it operates at the community level. This is very important. It's something that, um, like American Protestantism, doesn't have a clear grasp on. American evangelicalism is focused primarily on individual faith and individual salvation, which is a necessary and important part. However, there is another side, which is the faith of the community. And we see at the Exodus, at that first Passover at Sinai and at other times, what it's like when a community comes together in faith, united together, being led by the Lord and love of God. We see it when the 120 disciples of Yeshua remain in the upper room and they're waiting. And they have what? One accord. And this kind of unity, this kind of unity, not ecumenicism, not false unities, this kind of unity brings forth a special kind of fruit. It also causes us to appreciate the community of faith and to recognize what we can do when we are strong in God together and how important it is to love the community as well. Not only do we love the Jewish people, but we love all the nations of the world because we see what's in God's heart and we embrace it. And we're not just thinking about individuals Though we are thinking about individuals, we're also thinking about families and about congregations and communities, about nations as well. And so it's important to grasp this. Now on the first Passover in Egypt, which we read about in the book of Exodus, every individual decided to trust the Lord and to follow God's instructions. Every individual, every family, and all the families of Israel together. All the people who put their trust in God demonstrated it by their actions. And we learned that Passover was a time of redemption. And that redemption at Passover required faithful obedience. It did not require originality. It did not require creativity. It did not require weeks and weeks of pondering, it required faithful obedience. Here's what to do, here are the instructions. Do it. When to do it? Now. Yeah, but I'm sort of a procrastinator. No procrastinators in Israel from the Jewish people in Egypt during that time. Everyone said, okay, now is now. Each person, each family, all the families together needed the blood of the lamb applied to the doorposts of their houses. That's what they needed. So it teaches us as well that redemption requires a sacrifice. And what was the sacrifice that was needed at Passover? The blood of the lamb. The lamb had to be sacrificed. And all the details that we just looked at are part of the pattern of faith and redemption, and they still apply today. We can all be tempted to give into fear instead of having faith in God. And the book of Exodus tells us, especially in this week's Torah portion, 
uh, we read about it, but you'll see it throughout the book of Exodus, how many times fear and faith were battling for the hearts and for the minds of the Jewish people. And I can tell you, it's the same today. And it's not only Jewish people who are in the battle, it's everyone. Everyone who puts their trust in God and everyone who doesn't is in the battle. And if you wanna be a man or a woman of faith, you need the courage of faith and the wisdom of faith. Now I want to quickly revisit readings from last week so we can take another look at foundation patterns. And let's start in Exodus 12, verse 13, where instructions are given to Israel about the need to take a lamb without blemish to offer it to the Lord, to collect the blood and put the blood on where? The doorpost. What about the windows? No, doesn't say anything about windows, only the doorpost. What, what parts of the doorpost? The two sides and the top, that's right. Those three parts. And they're told that they need to do it that day. So the blood, Exodus 12, 13 says, the blood will serve you as a sign marking the houses where you are. And the Lord says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you and I will strike the land of Egypt, but the death blow will not strike you or the plague of the death of the firstborn will not touch you. Now, 10 verses later, as we looked at last week, there's a restatement of this word. It's a prophetic clarification that amplifies the meaning. Exodus 12, 23 says, when the Lord passes through to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the top and the two side posts, and he will pass over the door. And that word, Pesach, that, has, uh, that means Passover, translated Passover, doesn't mean skipping or ignoring, it means bounding, leaping, as a lamb or a ewe does in a field, running in a field. If you have ever seen uh, any video of, of lambs doing this, they sort of bounce. It, it's really amazing. It looks like they're on trampolines. <laughs> but it's similar as well to the DC superhero, The Flash, who can be in one place and then whoop, he's in the next place. Whoop, the next place. I'm not sure if that's the right sound effect for The Flash. But in the same way, the Lord was suddenly one place where the blood of the lamb was on the doorpost and then he was in the next place. And he was always one step ahead of the destroyer and he stopped the destroyer. This is what it says. He will see the blood, the Lord will see the blood on the top and the two side posts and he will bounce to the door. And he will not permit the destroyer to enter your houses and strike you down. He will stop the destroyer. He will not allow the destroyer. So this, this um, gave a concrete experience to Israel of redemption. Redemption requires faith, obedience, and a sacrifice. And the question is, who needed to be redeemed? And the answer was, everyone needed redemption. But who received the benefits of redemption? Only those who acted faithfully 
in obedience to God on God's timetable, in God's way. Each person was given the same instruction, whether they had weak faith, strong faith, or no faith. It was a time to settle matters. They could be young or old, male or female, and in order to be rescued, each person had to choose to be faithful. Now here's something I think that's interesting. Some people just, I'm sure, don't like lamb. And you could imagine in Egypt that day, there were some people who said, you know, I really prefer beef. Or a good chicken. But that night, what was on the menu? Lamb. And so someone says, I I prefer beef. The answer was, not tonight. Someone says, you know, I'm not really hungry for that. Eat. What about the vegans? I thought about this, seriously. (laughs) The vegan says, you know, I don't really eat lamb. And you know what everyone else said? (laughs) Not tonight. (laughs) Not tonight. Tonight you're eating lamb. Then you'll have 40 years where you can have a vegan manna diet, (laughs) meat-free. Yeah, some people I'm sure were saying, I, I, don't like, I don't like blood, it makes me squeamish. And you know what the answer was for them? <laughs> Not tonight. Tonight, blood on the doorposts. On that first Passover, all of Israel put their trust in God and they expressed their trust by action, by obedience. There were no secular Jews that first Passover. There were no Reformed Jews. There were no conservative Jews. There were no Orthodox Jews. The only Jews that night were Jews who were putting their trust in God, who were ready to express their faith by their actions. And everyone was given the same opportunity. Okay, this is what you do because if you do this, you'll participate in redemption. If you don't, you will experience what the Egyptians experience who are not being redeemed, but also need protection. But this is is not their time. And every Jewish person had to contemplate and say, you know, maybe God is the Lord. You know, maybe he is real. And then they had to reach a conclusion. So it's sort of like those game shows, you know, where you got the clock ticking, and there's a certain moment. You know, there are a lot of people who, are, who like to ponder things. How many of you are like that? You like to think for a while about things, you know, for a day, for a week, for a month, a few years. Well, this was more like Jeopardy. <laughs> do, 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 do. There's a moment of decision, and it's upon you. And if you say, well, I need more time, the answer is, not tonight. Tonight you decide. And all of Israel miraculously decided together, expressing a community that was alive in God through faith. So powerful. 
And this is part of the pattern that God has in mind. What does God want for Israel? What does he want for the Jewish people? That the Jewish people would live by faith, by trusting God and acting in accordance with what pleases God. And in this way, the Jewish people become a light for the nations and bring the good news of Messiah to all the nations of the world and bring redemption. It's a wonderful pattern, and it still applies to this day. Well, the living community was powerful. God's plan to save the Jewish people as individuals and as a community is actually the seed or the nucleus of his plan to save the whole world, to save individuals and to save whole communities and whole nations. Because remember what the scripture says, for God so loved half of the people that he sent his only son. God so loved the world, oh yeah. How about that? Or what Yeshua said, go into 10% of the nations that are nice and make disciples. No, go into all the nations and make disciples. You see, God has called us to, to be strong in our Jewish identity, to love our people, but to use that love to expand and extend the love of God in the world and the redemption. We need individual salvation, we need the salvation that a community experiences when we unite together, and when it expands and extends. Paul talked about this when he said, and all Israel will be saved. Now maybe you don't believe that. Paul did. It's in the Bible. It tells us where God is headed. He wants to save the whole world. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, and three or four percent of the people therein. All those who dwell therein. All. We need to get this in our hearts. And I can tell you that uh, American Protestantism and evangelicalism don't have a clear picture of community faith. And instead have a, have a narrow focus only on individual salvation, but not beyond that. And that's why there's so many, it's one of the reasons there's so many struggles in, in America, in the West, and in the evangelical world, because there's another aspect that touches families and touches communities and generations and nations that just doesn't fit into only individual faith. Now, every individual needs faith. And can you imagine if all of us are walking in faith? That's the plan of God. The prophet Joel put it this way, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and blood. Look around and see if there's any uh, flesh and blood near you. These are the ones to receive the spirit of God. These are the ones who need the spirit of God. Well, we're called to love the Jewish people, but we're not called to be ethnocentric. By that, we're not focusing on Jewishness as if it's the center of the universe. Who is the center of the universe? Yeshua, that's right. That's why we're not ethnocentric. 
We love the Jewish people, but we're not ethno-elite. We're not thinking the Jewish people are the best. That's why we love our nation. No, God said otherwise. He said, don't think that you're the greatest. You're not. In fact, you're stiff-necked, to which we say, no, we're not. (laughs) And we don't, we are not called to be, this is a phrase I coined last night, to be ethno-smug or ethno-conceited. I like smug. But you know what that means. It's to think too highly of ourselves. No, we're called to be servants to the whole world. That's who we're called for. And the redemption, the redemption of Israel is accomplished through the new covenant. The full redemption of Israel is is accomplished through the new covenant and requires superlative redemptive sacrifice, which is why Yeshua laid down his life. We need to grasp it. This is the unique understanding that makes a Jew into a Messianic Jew. Without this, you can't be a Messianic Jew. It doesn't matter how much costume jewelry you put on. (laughs) The full redemption is accomplished through the death, burial, and resurrection of Messiah. No alternatives, no exceptions. Not tonight, not tomorrow. One way, through God's way. Yeshua is the atoning sacrifice, he's the redeemer. I don't know about you, but I was in another kingdom. I was in the kingdom of darkness, I experienced it. And I am so happy to be out of that kingdom and into this other kingdom. And they are very, very different. I'm so glad that through Yeshua we received the gift of God's Holy Spirit. I need his boldness. I need his courage. I need his wisdom and guidance every day, every single day. Well, I want to close by looking at Exodus 13, 17. And don't forget, parents, if you have toddlers, you need to get them. And you're responsible to get your children at Shabbat school. Exodus 13, verse 17 and 18 describes a terrible situation. After Pharaoh had let the people go, the children of Israel, God did not guide them to the highway that goes straight through the land of the Pilishtim because it was close by. God thought that the people upon seeing war might change their minds and return to Egypt. He knew they had weapons, but they weren't prepared to experience war. Rather, God led the people by a roundabout route. Say that word with me, roundabout. How many of you feel like you're on a roundabout route Through the desert by the Sea of Suf or the Sea of Reeds, the people of Israel went up from the land of Egypt fully armed. But I want you to understand this. No one wanted to be in that position. No one wanted to be trapped the way God trapped them. There's nobody on earth who who prays each morning, Lord, I just hope you'll trap me today. 
In fact, everybody I know who feels trapped is praying to God to get delivered from that sense of no way out. But God took the children of Israel in such a way that they were trapped. And it caused them to question God, to question Moses, to question everything. And they had to get to the place where they reached the limits of their wisdom. And the only way you can get to that place is by coming to fearful places, fearful situations that, where God is leading you. If you want to do a great study, look up in the scriptures the word fear. And then find the phrases, do not fear or do not be afraid. Now here's the terrible part. There are a lot of them. But the reason God says do not fear is because he knows we are afraid and we need to transform our fear into something else. And we need to allow ourselves to get to the end of that wisdom that thinks it can predict what's the right thing to do when God already has a plan that's better than our plan. Now each of us will be tempted, maybe you're experiencing it these days where what you're facing doesn't make any sense. And you would never choose the situation you're in for yourself. How many of you can identify with that? You can say, this is not what I signed up for. It's not what I was looking for. I thought I was supposed to get out of trouble. Now I'm in trouble. How'd that happen? Well, Israel had to battle between faith and fear. We read about it in Exodus 14, verse 9 through 14. It says, The Egyptians went after them, all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh with his cavalry and army, and overtook them as they were encamped by the sea by Pihachirot in front of Baal Siphon. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up. They saw the Egyptians right there, coming after them. In great fear, the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. And then they said to Moses, was it because there were not enough graves in Egypt that you brought us out to die in the desert? Why have you done this to us? Bringing us out of Egypt. Didn't we tell you in Egypt, leave us alone? We'll just go on being slaves for the Egyptians. It would be better for us to be the Egyptian slaves than to die in the desert. Now this is a moment when fear is masquerading as wisdom. Do you see it? And is giving counsel to everyone. And everyone's saying the same thing and they're all saying it in one voice to Moses. Moses, what is wrong with you? Why did you do this to us? Moses answered the people, this is verse 13. He said, stop being so fearful. Now, I, I have not found this phrase work so well for me. <laughs> when I t tell people, stop, it doesn't seem to work. But for Moses, it, it works. Stop being so fearful, remain steady, and you will see how the Lord is going to save you. And he'll do it today. Today you've seen the Egyptians, but you'll never see them again. The Lord will do battle for you. Just calm yourself down. 
That's another phrase that doesn't work so well when I use it. <laughs> Just calm down. It backfires. Well, this was a time that was planned and ordained by God. And when God brought the children of Israel through this experience onto the other side, you know what happened? Faith was restored and renewed. But Israel continually goes through this cycle of battling with fear and with faith. And when fear rules, you know what happens? The people abandon their trust in God. They abandon their confidence in God. They start looking for reasons why fear is the path they should follow in. And then they go away from the Lord, even denying the Lord, even going back into slavery, if you will. But when you win that battle, when, when you say, Lord, I'm going to be afraid of you more than them, the fear of the Lord will set you free. When you start saying, Lord, you've been faithful to me before, you're going to be faithful to me again, your faithfulness will not fail me now. When you start talking like that to the Lord, you know what? The Spirit of God is rising up in you and will make you bold, and the trust that you have will start increasing. And as you're thanking God, your trust and your confidence will enlarge. That's the way it works. If you give in to a spirit of fear you will lose all that. But when you start trusting in God and expressing that trust and saying, Lord, I know you're the Lord, and I know I'm not the Lord, and you hush your mouth, and you don't cry, and you don't complain to God, why are you doing this? You say, Lord, I'm trusting in you to deliver me. I'm trusting in you for redemption. Speak your word, and I'll obey you. When you do that, you experience the victory that God has for you. Everyone's got to go through it. More than once, we have to go through it. And we have to fight the good fight. And after all, we remain standing with God. This is important to grasp. Redemption is powerful in God, but it has many chapters and in each chapter of our lives, there are moments when we have to decide, I'm going to be faithful to God, because God is faithful to me. We have to get that settled. And if we don't, we allow our wisdom to ascend and to usurp God's wisdom. And then we get into real trouble, because we become the Lord, and that does not work very well. Let's pray. Lord, we want to be bold in you and faithful to you. Make us strong as we trust in you. We look to you with confidence. I pray that you would set us free from the fears that would entrap us and enslave us. Thank you, Lord, for delivering us from the snare. And we know this, Lord, that when we're putting our trust in you, that you do enlarge us. You do strengthen us. And that your eyes are searching to and fro all over the earth to find those whose hearts are fully committed to you so that you can strengthen them. Strengthen us, we pray, in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Amen. We're going to close with Aaron's blessing. Would you please rise? And can we get the mic on for Sandy?
that they could hold on to. And many years ago, through different trials, um, David and I had words from the Lord, three words. He said, I'm going to give you three words. And over a period of time, this is what the three words were. The first one, don't go back the way you came. The second one was, don't go the way everyone else is going. And the third one was, do the unthinkable. So these all came as a result of moments, you know, these kinds of uh, watershed moments in our lives. And their pattern, not only from, for us, but for you. These are words I'm speaking to you. And there are ways you can apply each one of those in your lives. Don't go back the way you came. Don't go the way everyone else is going. And do the unthinkable. Thank you, Katie. And don't forget it. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha. Ye'er Adonai panave lecha v'yichunecha. Yisa Adonai panave lecha. V'yasem lecha shalom. May the Lord be the one who blesses you. And may the Lord be the one who keeps watch over you and protects you and guards your life. May the light of the Lord shine upon you. And may he be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat shalom.